Thanks, Doug. Um, hey, we're just so thankful uh, to be here. It's just been, you've been so welcoming as, as me and my family have just entered into to Hope Covenant, and we're just so thankful that you just see you as, as uh, family, and we're just excited to be here. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I got to get some water there. All right. Uh, so how about this? How many of you have, have been driving down the freeway, right? You've been driving down, and you see a semi-truck up ahead, right? And you're driving, and you're going, oh, no, I got to pass this thing. I, gotta, I, I, I really got to step on the gas and pass the thing. And just when you think that, you see the rock just bouncing on the road, and you're like, no, no, no. And then smack right on your windshield, right? And you have this quarter size, like Starburst Craig, anyone? Yeah, have you ever seen that? And you're like, I just got this replaced last month. Like, what's going on? Right? You know, and, and so like, or, or like you're just driving down and like just out of nowhere, like, like no cars anywhere. Like you're just driving and there's nothing and all of a sudden, boom, something hits your windshield. Like, how did that happen? Like, it just came out of nowhere. Like, um, and if you don't take care of it, right, what happens? Right? If you don't take care of it right away, right, it starts to grow little legs, right, starts going across. And when me and, me and Christy, right before, uh, we, you know, we had started, we were engaged, you know, we just got to know each other and we're, we're hanging out together. She had like a, a, a little, like, you know, you know quarter uh, starburst in, and it had a little crack on it. And throughout our, like, relationship before we got married, it was like growing and growing and growing. It's like the timeline, it was like the timeline. I'm like, hey, we've been together like half a windshield now. It's been great. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you don't take care of it, it just grows. Well, um, changing gears a little bit. So in, in high school, I was involved in a sport, and I'm sure just by looking at me, you could probably just guess what that was, right? Yeah, I was on the swim team, of course, right? I mean... <laughs> No, I was. Like, like, I mean, you could just tell. I have the, you're like, it just made sense. And so I was. I was on the swim team, and our high school didn't have, it didn't have a, a pool there. We had to actually jump on a bus and go to the nearest junior high and go, go do our swim practice there. And so after swim practice, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm waiting for a ride, right? Everyone has to stand out. And, wait, and my, my sister was picking me up in my, in my mom's sedan, like this car. And so she, she comes in, right, and she pulls up, and I get in the car, and I go, okay, hey, you see those girls over there? She's like, yeah. I go, I really want to impress them. And so I go, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to turn the radio to Power 92.3. It's the hit music station, right? This is the hit music station. It has all the hip-hop songs. If you turn it there now, it's not hip-hop. You'll be disappointed if you're looking for hip-hop. It's not Power 92.3 now, but back then it was. And so, uh, you know, what we do is we turn it to Power 92, it's playing some like this hip-hop music, I turn up the bass, I roll down the window, and nothing says cool, like riding shotgun in your mom's car while your sister's driving, listening to music, turning it up the bass in the stock radio system, rolling by, like that's cool, right? Like, hey, ladies, <laughs> right? No, it's not, I don't know why I thought that, but that's what I was, so I turn it to Power 92, and my sister's like, no, and she turns it back to country. I mean, I like country. Country's kind of fun. Like, you know, it's cool. It's, it's just not impressive, right? <laughs> it is. I like it now. But, like, back then, I was like, no. So I turned it back to Power 92. She's like, no. And she turns it back to country. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, I, okay, so I turn it back to Power 92. Turns it back to, I'm like, seriously, what is going on? 
And I just kind of lost it, right? I was just mad. I was like, oh, and I, no joke, okay? And I just go, boom, and I hit the windshield, all right? And the minute I saw my fist, like, hit the windshield, I could just see the cracks. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, that's not good. That's not good at all. Like, and I'm like, oh, and so, you know, we're driving home, and I'm thinking, I got, we got to think of a story. My parents are not going to be happy with this. Like, so we got to think of a story. So I'm like, okay, so we're on the freeway. There's a semi-truck, right? This is what we're going with, right? And so, um, and to this day, I'm not really sure if my parents do know the full story. I'm not sure. My dad is here today. Did you know? I don't know if you knew. My mom, I don't think, knows, but we're recording this, right? So cat's out of the bag. Um, anyways, so here's the thing is, is I think this, if you're anything like me, we kind of like our windshields kind of clear and clean and cracked. Like, you're like, no blemishes. Like, the minute it gets like a little chip, you're like, oh, I'm going to get it. You know, like, we want it just this perfect, right? I mean, my boys, they, I, I, they, they think I have like this addiction to go into the car wash because you got that monthly pass. It's like, you can just go anytime you want. But anytime I'm like, hey, let's go, let's get in. I clean my windshield and I think we want things to be like that, but the reality is that's not how it is, right? I mean, whether we're driving down the road and, and maybe we see it coming, maybe it comes out of nowhere, we're, we're doing it, to, like, it, that's not how it works. I mean, what's the alternative, right, to not having these cracks or blemishes on our windshield? What's the alternative? Just park the car in the garage, right? Just not drive it. A friend of mine, his name was Brian Weaver, he was a Young Life leader, he comes to me, this is like four years, like 2014, I don't know, four or five years ago. He goes, hey, Will, my aunt's selling her 1993 Ford Tempo, 36,000 miles on it. I'm like, that's incredible. It's like 2014. He's like, yeah, she never drove it. It just sat in the garage, and that's it. It just sat there. I mean, it's incredible, like prime condition, but it never really drove out on the open road. It never experienced going down the canyons. It, never, like, you, it just never lived the way it was designed to live. It just sat there in the garage. I mean, that's the alternative. And I think in our life, we, we go, well, and probably you're, the more you live life, the more you go, wow, there's a lot of cracks that happen. The more I, I just walk outside, and it just seems like it comes from everywhere. And brokenness and, and pain and suffering and tragedy and, and shame and broken relationships and things just happen. You're like, I just feel like it's being hit from all sides. Maybe, maybe you see it coming. Maybe it comes out of nowhere. Maybe you do it to yourself and you're like, is this it? Is this, is this it? Is this how it's supposed to be? Like, it's just, uh, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more to this. And we're looking for something bigger. And Doug asked me to preach today. And uh, this week he's like, hey, do you have a, do you have a title? Do you have a, like a serious title? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't know. Like, but so, so I was thinking about it, and this is my best attempt, my best attempt. So cracks and brokenness and thirsty leads to eternal, right? So actually, go to the next slide. It was kind of like this. Cracks and the brokenness in life leads us to be thirsty for the eternal. This, this brokenness in life leads us. So when I think of hope, the, the time I've had uh, this year to kind of be with you, I, I just see this like, we're these broken people that are desperate and thirsty for something more, for eternal. 
And I just see this as, as people of hope. And, uh, and as I work in youth ministry, I work with the youth here, and, and just in youth culture in general, I think this is a, a deep need. I think, I think youth are looking for this. I think that, that I see it on their face, like I am wanting something more than this. There's something out there. There's something more than this. And so uh, these past few weeks, my amazing leaders, we have some great leaders here at Hope that work with our youth. We've been walking through the book of John and been opening it up. And just even from the very beginning, it's just kind of becoming real to us how, how God is working and he's, he's showing us things. So we started out with John 1, and it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, uh, I'm sorry, the being, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. The Word was Jesus. Jesus has been here from the beginning. And a little later we read in this that the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, in the Message Bible, it says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We, we hit John 2. Jesus is at a wedding, and they ran out of wine. And his mother comes to him and says, Jesus, we need you to. And so he, he, he told these servants to take these jars, you know, these like 30, 40. And we, and we brought in like these gallon, like these 50-gallon trash cans. Like we brought six of them in our youth room. And we're showing like this is how much it was. And they used these jars for like ceremonial cleansing. And he said, go fill them up with water. There's something about this. Go fill them up with water. And I actually had a kid come up. And I said, okay, now, now take this water. Now I want you to take a sip. All right, now describe it. All right. Describe the water? Yeah, take a sip. Describe. All right. It tastes like water. <laughs> it's just water. Like, no, 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 no. Like, describe it. Tell me what. Okay. It's just water. <laughs> it's bland. It's kind of tasteless. Really nothing really about it. But it, it, And I go, okay, well, think about this. He turned this bland, nothing, tasteless water into the best wine that anyone has ever tasted. He took something so ordinary and turned it into extraordinary. Jesus did that. This water. In John 3, we hit that. Nicodemus is in the middle of the night. He comes to Jesus. And Jesus tells him he must be born again. He must be born again. He must be born again of water and spirit. And he said, wait, I can't be born yet. He's thinking physical. And Jesus is like, no, I'm thinking eternal, spiritual. There's something about water. If you live in Arizona, which you do, because you're here, right? <laughs> you know that even in Arizona, it's very important. We cannot survive without water. It's so life-giving. It's like this is the only way we can live here. It is the source of life in this desert, isn't it? It is so, the, the, the simplest thing, this is the source that every life comes from here in the desert. There's something about water. And we've already kind of gone past John 4, but I want to land here to this morning and talk about this. So I'm going to pray and then we'll dive in. Your Father, we just thank you for what you're doing right now, Lord. Thank you for how you're moving, how you're working in our hearts 
in our minds. And Lord, as, as, Lord, I just pray that you can just be, let us see clearly, Lord, the things that you have for us, Lord. Let us see clearly the things that you're trying to tell us today. Um, let us move out of the way, eliminate the distractions, and really see that you are the source of life. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John 4, all right, it starts off like this. The Pharisees had heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but the disciples. And when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back more to Galilee. So this is what's happening. So Jesus is going around. His, his, he baptized his disciples. He started it, but his disciples are baptizing disciples. Like their disciples are, are, are making more disciples, which is good. This is how ministry is formed. And, and, um, and, and it kind of caused an uproar. People were kind of up, up, upset about it. And they're like, well, what's, what's going on? And so Jesus decides, right? He decides to kind of take the lower way of living. He said, okay, I'm going to leave. And he kind of takes the lower way. He humbled himself and kind of and said, okay, I'm going to leave. You're like, um, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, but whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. Jesus is showing us the lower way of living. And he did that all the way to the cross. He could go no lower. And then it says this. Now, he just had to go through Samaria. He just had to go through Samaria. He just had to. I take this as him listening to the Spirit. I just had to go. Have you ever felt like you just had to go? Like, hey, why'd you go to that neighbor's house over there when they pulled in the driveway? You know, I don't know, when, when you pulled up, it just seemed like you know, something was going on. I just felt like inside, like, I just have to go over there. That's listening to the Spirit, Right? Hey, why did you pull that coworker aside and, and pray for him? I don't know. I, I, I really didn't want to, but the Lord was just kind of, just, I just felt like it was the right thing to do in the moment. He's listening to the Spirit. He had to go, right? Have you ever felt this leading, this response? It's right in front of you. The Spirit is talking and meant to, for you to minister in the moment. He just had to go to Samaria. He, he didn't go around it, right? And normally, like, the, the Jewish people would go around it. They actually wouldn't go to Samaria. It'd be like if, like, we're in Chandler and we need to go to Scottsdale, but we don't like those people in Mesa, right? You're like, I'm going to go around to, around to Apache Junction. You're like, that's way out of the way. I know, but, like, we need to go to Scottsdale. And you're like, just go through. And I, no, I don't like those Mesa people, right? I live in Mesa. I can say that, right? No, like, so, like, the direct route, but Jesus had to go. He went the direct route. He went through Samaria. He says this. And so he came to a town of Samaria called Sijar near the plot of ground where Jacob had given his son. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the journey. And he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So I get to do, I love doing this in, in, in youth ministry. I get to point out the reality of Jesus. It is so fascinating to me that he could be 100% divine and God and 100% human all at once. And, and so like it tells me this, like this humanistic side of him, he experienced real life. He got tired. Sometimes I miss that. Oh, yeah, he got tired. He sat down. He was at the, oh, yeah. You know, on Wednesday nights here, we have Epic Youth here, and, and, and we have everybody clears the chairs. Thank you, by the way. I haven't told you that in a while. Thank you for clearing the chairs you know, after the service. But you clear the chairs, and we have youth here, and we play basketball right? 
And, and so before we get started, we play basketball. And here's the thing, like, Jesus, like, he would miss a shot. Like, it wouldn't be like, oh, you have Jesus on your team. Yeah, we're, we're done. He'd hit it every time. I mean, gosh, we're not going to make anything. But no, like, he might have missed a shot. Like, there's some about that where it's re- he's here, he's relational, he's, he's with us, right? A real experience. Um, it also says that it was the sixth hour, which means it was the middle of the day. So here's this, uh, as we continue on, we got to know that it's the middle of the day, Jesus is tired, he sat down, and this is what happens. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So they went, they even had to go grocery shopping, right? It's like living life. I have to go to grocery. But here's the Samaritan woman. She comes in the middle of the day, and Jesus says, would you give me a drink? This is great ministry right here. Right before our eyes, we're seeing some great ministry happen. He's asking her a question. He's putting himself in a place of humility that no Jew would ever lower their pride to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. And here Jesus is sitting there asking a question to her. And doesn't he realize the brokenness going on? I mean, we're seeing the kind of the dots connect here. She's coming to the well in the middle of the day. It's hot outside. We're carrying a bucket. No, you don't do that. Like most of the women would go in the morning and the evening when it's cooler out. But she's coming alone in the middle of the day. And she's coming to the well Maybe she's coming that time because she doesn't get along with the women that come in the morning. Maybe she doesn't get along with the women that come in. Maybe she, 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 there's some, some stuff going on in her life. There's some brokenness. There's some cracks. She's coming to the well, and she's like, I don't want to be there when the other women are there because we don't get along, and they don't like me. I don't like them. We're just going to avoid each other. And here she is in the middle of the day. We're seeing some of the, the, pic, the context is coming together, Right? But here it is. Jesus sets up shop. He is ready to engage the broken. He asks the question. And this is, asking a question puts us in a vulnerable position. Because here's the thing. You can get rejected. Right? I get to work with teenagers. I get to practice entering into conversation with teenagers. And I get, I get to practice and the, the opportunity to be rejected by teenagers. It's part of my job. Right? But like in, in young life, I would, you know, there's a high school asked me, hey, would you start this thing? You bring donuts to the high school. Yeah, I'll do that. So I show up in my car, I have 10 boxes of 10, 10, do, uh, 10 dozen donuts, right, basically. And I carry them out and I'm walking onto the high school, right? And I get onto the high school. This is the first time I get on the high school and I'm walking by and I'm talking, hey, would you like a donut? <laughs> oh, guy didn't even talk to me. Hey, what about you? You want a donut? Like they're like walking by me. They're not like even paying attention to me. No, they're like, and those are the kids I knew, like, and like, I'm like, this is, this is crazy, like, like, so like, like, you can be rejected, they, no, I don't, what's this old guy doing, walking around high school, handing out donuts, well, I realized that you just have to keep showing up, like, after, like, the third or fourth week, they're like, hey, they're actually legit donuts, nobody died, so, um, but you would do that, and you start asking these questions, hey, would you, would you like a donut, would you like a piece of pizza, it's a vulnerable state. What about you? Where, where are you in your life right now that puts you in a position to ask these questions? You might not be in high school right now, but what about the lunchroom at work? Hey, can I sit next to you? Or maybe it's the coffee shop down the road. Hey, can I ask you a question? Or, or maybe it's the next door neighbor. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody right in your, in your house that you're living in right now. And you're engaging with a question. It's vulnerable, though, but it's a great way to start ministry. So Jesus asked her a question, right? 
And she responds, uh, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews don't associate with Samaritans? Wait a minute. How can you ask me? Like, what are you doing? You're breaking all the rules here, Jesus. You're not actually supposed to be talking to me. I'm a Samaritan, and I'm a woman. Like, this is like breaking the rules. He's, Jesus overcomes the racism and the sexism of the day. He's, he's going above that and going, no, no, I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to enter into this brokenness with this Samaritan woman. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He moves from the small talk to the eternal talk. He moves from the small talk of, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, right? Oh my goodness, this living water? What? She's like, wait. She says, sir, this, well, this woman said, you have nothing to draw from the, the, the well. Like this well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from, from it himself? as did his sons and the flocks and the herds. Like, wait a minute, you don't have a bucket, Jesus. Like, how are you gonna get this water? How, this well is really deep. Like, and she sees it as a physical thing. Like, wait a minute, how are you? She's not seeing, he's talking eternal here, right? No bucket. Just like Nicodemus, it's physical. He's not seeing how it's eternal. Jesus says this. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. This water. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Whoever drinks of the temporary water, right? This is a picture right here. When I get down, this is when the sermon's over, so I better be drinking, right? This is the water that ends the physical water. But then there's a water that never ends. That's eternal. It just, like, I don't know, like, picture this. Picture water just overflowing. I don't know if you could picture this. Like, maybe there's some, a, a visual that shows you what water is like when it's just overflowing and just going. Yeah. So this water turning up into eternal, this, this overflowing water that just keeps coming in and there's no, th- no thirst. It says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Jesus quenches our thirst. Jesus satisfies. He is divine, full of life, eternal. There's something about water. But this woman still sees it as physical. Right? And she says this to Jesus. Sir, give me this water so I don't have to be thirsty and have to keep coming back to the, this well to draw water. It's physical. This fits my life. Okay, so if I don't have to come back in the middle of the day with my bucket, I don't have to be, those women won't be there? Okay, great, that's awesome. I don't have to see them. Okay, I don't even have to come in the middle of the day because it's hot. That's, that's uncomfortable. I could just go back to my house, sit there. I'll never have to thirst. I'll just sit in my garage and just live. Fits her, it fits her situation, right? She's like, this is great! This is all you give me that water. And Jesus is like, no, that's not actually what I'm talking about. Like, no, like she sees it as temporary. She sees it as temporary. It's, it's more than that. She's not, it, 
And so she's thinking as, how can I be more comfortable? And he's thinking, how can you live your life? And so Jesus has to get her attention. I don't know about you, if, if God has ever gotten your attention, he has with me, there have been times when you're, I don't get it, and he's like, okay, I gotta get your attention, Well, And he's like, what about this? And you're like, ooh, well, you had to bring that one up, huh? And it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it stings. And he has to get our attention. He brings up the reality and truth in our life. And he goes, I, I, need, I need you to pay attention, Well. And Jesus is saying to this woman, I need you to pay attention. So he has to get her attention. He says, go call your husband and then come back. And she's like, oh. She says this, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So we're seeing kind of the, the dots here, right? We don't know how she's had five husbands, but we know this. Right? We know that she's looking for life. She's looking for fulfillment in these temporary places. That's not going to quench this thirst. She's looking for these things. And I know I, I look over here and I look over there and it's like, no, that didn't work. That didn't work. That. And we're looking for life for these temporary, in these temporary things. And we're going, that's not it. So we just, okay, well, let's go. What about over here? And it's not the satisfying life that, that Jesus is offering that he's talking about. And we see in her life that she is seeking after this. And Jesus has to bring that up for her to realize um, it's not physical, it's spiritual. It's eternal. Right? And so it says this. And this woman, when we're faced with like reality and truth, what do we do? We run, we hide, we ignore it, or we try to change the subject. Right? She says this. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped here on this mountain, but you Jews claim that we should worship over here in Jerusalem. I mean, come on, what do we do? Like she changes it from this and go, well, let's talk about religion. Let's talk about this over here. And like, like when it hurts a little bit, like, well, let's talk about this issue first, right? And you're trying to jump over and like not face the reality. Like let's, Jesus has none of that, right? Jesus says, believe me, woman, there's a time coming where we will worship the father neither on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. He basically says this. He has confidence in his ministry, and he's saying this. There's a time coming where the Father will, will know the true worshipers here. And we don't have to go down this road. And, and she says, I know there's this Messiah. This, this is all kind of confusing. I know there's this Messiah. He's going to come and he's going to explain all of this. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. It's incredible. Here's this woman of a different religion who has a lot of cracks and brokenness in her life. Lots of brokenness. And Jesus stands up and she meets the creator of the universe. She face to face with the living God and says, I who speak to you am a he. She has a, an encounter with the living God right there. And it changes her life. It's incredible. It's incredible. 
Jesus, there, there have been lots of times before this point where Jesus has been, like, he, like people would be like, hey, that could be the Christ, but it's been pretty vague. I mean, this is one of the first people that Jesus says, I am he. He comes and meets her in the midst of her brokenness. Again, this, this comes out that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. What she does, the disciples came back, they returned, they were surprised that Jesus was talking with the woman, but no one asked, like, it was kind of in their head, like, what do you want, or why are you talking to her? Like, they're like, whoa, this is, what's Jesus doing? But then, it says this, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see this man who told me everything I ever did, could this be the Christ? And they came out of town, and they made their way toward him. So her life was changed so much that she dropped everything and ran back to the people that she probably didn't like and probably didn't like her. And she goes, my life is changed. I took a drink of this water that just refreshed my soul. It was, it was, it just quenched my thirst. And so she runs back to town and she's telling the people, come see this guy. I mean, in reality, it's kind of like a not a good sermon, right? She, it's like very emotional, like a lot of me and I. And then like, she's like, could it be Christ? I mean, she's ending with the doubt. Like it's kind of not, but it was honest and it was real and it pointed toward Christ. I think we could take heart in that. Like maybe we're like, I don't know if I can really tell people about Christ. Just do this, be honest, be real and point them toward Christ. Share your story and just go, I don't know. I know for me, I've tasted something that quenches my thirst. It's more than just this. It's, it's, it's fulfilling. And so, it says this. Meanwhile, the disciples urged the rabbi to eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said to each other, could have somebody brought him food? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work. Do not say four months more and then harvest. I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Even now the weeper draws his wages, and even though the harvest, the crop, and the eternal life, the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you do not work for. Others have done the hard work, and you've reaped the benefits of the labor. I know that was a lot. Go home, you could read it. But basically, Jesus is saying this, and I think it's really important. He's saying this. The nourishment is to do the will of the Father. The nourishment is to do the work of the God. This is what's gonna satisfy. This is what's gonna feed your soul. This is where you're gonna find the greatest satisfaction in your life, is to listen to the Lord and do his work. You're looking for more than just this temporary? Do the work of the Lord. And what is that? Maybe it's just sharing your story. Maybe it's entering in and asking questions and showing up in the midst of brokenness and pain and hurt, despite the fact that we have that in our own life. It's recognizing, hey, I have a lot of cracks and blemishes too, but you know what? The work of the Lord is for me to show up, ask good questions, listen, and point people toward Christ. And what happens when we do that? It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. 
He told me everything I ever did. I mean, she just blew it, like, no shame. Hey, this guy told me everything I ever did. The town probably knew. And she goes, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to them, they urged him to stay with them, and he did for two more days. And because of uh, his words, many more of them became believers. They said to this woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We no longer believe because of your story and your testimony how you, we can see this life-giving water flourishing, flowing over in your life. But now we've met the living God, and we can see it from him. And we know the source. Many more believe because of her testimony. And so this is it. This is the conclusion. She introduced the town to Jesus and that Jesus is our Savior. In the midst of this brokenness, Jesus is our Savior. This broken, sinful woman's life was changed with the face-to-face encounter with the creator of the universe. She shared her story, and she pointed people toward Christ. We here at Hope are people with brokenness. But through the one encounter, the, the encounter of the one true living God, we can share the truth that we have found, this, 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 this thirst that we have sought out, this living water that we have that's flowing inside of us. We can, we can share that with the people around us, our community, our families, our friends, our neighbors. And so I encourage you to stay connected to Christ. He gives you this water. Go out and share your story. Go through Samaria. Break down those walls. Be confident in your ministry. Share your story. Short, energetic, and honest. In this story, I see Jesus as this model that we can can live out. He taught us how to do that. And so as we look at this, you know, the cracks, the broken, the 30s, this leads us to this this eternal, that we want more than temporary, we want eternal. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you for this time, Lord, as we... Lord, as we just take in, Lord, the fact that we are thirsty and we desire you. Lord, we want more than just this temporary um, life. Lord, we want to live life uh, the way you've designed us to live. Lord, that you have much more in store, the way you're working and moving. And Lord, when when we taste that water, Lord, we taste it and we go, this is good. It quenches our soul. Lord, let that overflow into our lives. Lord, let that overflow into our families, the way we treat our family and our kids and our our brothers and our sisters and, and, and their neighbors next door. Let that do the work, Lord. Let us, let us uh, take the, the lower way, humble ourselves, Lord, to let you do the work in our lives. Thank you that we don't have to go without this living water, Lord, that you are the source.